This is former WWE star Al Snow, and you're watching Pro Wrestling for Life. Welcome to another episode of Pro Wrestling for Life, everyone. It's me, two-time WWE Hall of Famer, X-Pac, and here's my host, my host. Here is my co-host, Nick Houseman. Nick, please tell everybody what's on the show today. Thank you very much, Sean. Yes, uh, uh, we have a great show here today. Obviously, a huge week in the world of professional wrestling. AEW Rampage uh, with CM Punk on Friday, uh, SummerSlam on Saturday, TakeOver on Sunday. We'll try to get to all three here in the news block in just a second. But uh, our first guest up here on the show today was actually at AEW Rampage. Uh, he was front row. You probably saw him get hugged by CM Punk just before he cut uh, his big comeback promo. Frank the Clown is in the house here today. Uh, we're going to talk to him all about CM Punk. Uh, so we're going to not probably talk that much about it here up top because you got like a really long, in-depth punk conversation coming to you here just a little bit. And also to close the show here today, uh, we're going to have a nearly hour-long conversation uh, with Sean, myself, and Al Snow. A uh, really great talk about OVW, uh, the job squad, and just everything Al is really up to right now. Um, and uh, we are going to play a game later with Frank the Clown as well, so that'll be the game segment this week. And, uh, yeah, that's the whole thing. But, Sean, yeah, this was a very big uh, weekend here, a lot of big stuff I talked about. Um, where do you want to start? What what really stood out to you here from the weekend? What grabbed your attention more than anything else of all of the big things that played out here in the past? I week? don't know what grabbed my attention the most, Nick, but no? there's a couple of things. And, um, you know, I, we don't have enough time for me to like, hit on everything, but Sure. Um, so I'll pick a few things. Um, yeah. Uh, NXT show was really, really good. It was a banger, man. Yeah. Especially, yeah. especially with all the reports and stuff of like changes and stuff, they really had to deliver. Yeah. And I thought they had a really great show on. on yeah, Friday. man. Because one could imagine that, like, with everything like that we've been hearing and reading uh, about going on behind the scenes at NXT, um, that could be real demoralizing for a roster and a lot a locker room. And um, if that's the case, you couldn't tell uh, during the takeover because everybody brought it, man. And uh, that dragging off Walter match, man, I just can't say enough about it. And I mean, you know, I put a little tweet out, you know, just congratulating uh, dragging off. Like, cause like legit, man, like I, I, and in the tweet, I said, Chief J. Strongbow used to say this, and I, I stole the saying from him. Like, when I'd come back from a match where it would be difficult sure. for one reason or another, somebody would be like, hey, how'd it go? I'd be like, I've had easier fucking street fights. Dude, every street fight just about anybody, any of us have ever had is easier than that fucking match. I guarantee you. Dude, he looked like that's how you should look on the other side of ending an 800-day reign by Walter. I mean, he looked like he was a warrior, you know? It's, a, it's the most – no one's ever earned a fucking victory like uh, in wrestling like as much as that guy earned it the other night. Dude, I'm yeah. serious, dude. Yeah, Are you, yeah. I mean, and Walter is a really big dude, and he hits hard. I mean, yeah. you know, it, I mean – I guess you think that it's good to like see all the welts and stuff. Cause I know, so, you know, Bret Hart says like, my job is to kick you in the face as hard as I can. And yeah, make people you know, have differences of opinion on that. And, they, and no one, I don't like if two guys have an understanding and they want to go out there and make it a little bit more believable than the rest, that's on them. Like, I mean, that means they're just willing to take it further. They're willing to, to, to go to greater lengths. Uh, and, and that's admirable to me. I, I mean, 
it's not like they were killing each other. It just no. looked like it. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really, it was just a great night in general, you know, for that show. Uh, you know, the main event, Samoa Joe, uh, Karrion Cross, I thought yeah. it was really good, you know, as well. Yeah. Happy for Joe, too, first three-time NXT champion. Dude. Hey, man, Joe, hey, Joe's been out for a while. And, you know, uh, one, one would, one would be understanding if he came in uh, and, and didn't quite, didn't quite give that level of performance just because he's been out for so long, but he brought it. He brought, he, he held up his end of the fucking deal and uh, he did a great job, man. And, and um, yeah, after being out that long, dude, yeah, that's and, impressive as fuck. And Kyle O'Reilly, I've, I've been dropping F bombs all show. <laughs> it's all right, dude. We got more to go. Trust me. There are more. Um, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole too, man. Like what yeah. a really, really stiff. And then like, if this is Adam Cole's swag song for NXT, which is kind of the tease right now, uh, I mean, really made Kyle O'Reilly at least, I guess, look good on the way out the door. I don't really know what's going to happen with Adam, though. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, obviously, right? So yeah. uh, it's the right thing to do. Um, it's the right thing to do either way, whether he's staying or going. Sure, sure. I think Kyle learned that. Um, well, a lot of fans were upset uh, the, the night before at SummerSlam because uh, Sasha Banks didn't show up for her match Oof. with uh, Bianca Belair. Uh, they decided to wait until the match to announce it. They did the bit with Carmella and then tried to, I guess, do a make good or surprise everybody with Becky Lynch uh, returning to take the title from Bianca Belair. How, do, how did you feel about how that whole sequence played out at the paper? It just, look, I, I understand the predicament, Nick. Sure. And there's just an old way of thinking that took over here. Uh, and, and I understand that, but it was just a wrong, it was the wrong thing to do. When, uh, and what? what? Well, I was going to say, when you say an old way of thinking, I just didn't know if you could clarify that a little okay, bit. Okay. Yeah. I was about to. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's an old saying, like, if you're going to have a replacement, the replacement needs to be of equal or greater value. Like for instance, when I had, I was, I was in a really top match on all the house shows um, versus Razor when I was, after I turned heel. Right. right? But then Razor, like, but then Scott, like they, they said, oh, you failed a drug test that was like six months old. And all of a sudden Scott's out, like suspended. Right. Okay. And so they didn't, they didn't um, announce that Scott wasn't going to be at these shows, which is kind of like, like this situation. Right. Sure. So, um, but when you know when they got all the when they announced that he wasn't going to be there, the people boo, right? Yeah, because they're looking, they wanted to see him, you know. And so, but then the bagpipes played, mm. and out comes Roddy, and the place went nuts, and we beat the shit out of each other. And he, well, and uh, anyways, we had great matches, and yeah. the people were happy. And we had a here's the here's the key part though: we had a great match. Okay, yeah. you can't do that. Like you can't. I mean, they did it, so obviously you can do it. You can. But, yeah, and they did. Uh, but I, I just don't think they realized, like, what a bad – and I know there's probably no great choice, but that's not the one to make. If, like, if, if if, had, if, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, if they'd have taken out the Carmella stuff and not made it a squash where Becky had exactly. like a, it made it a competitive bout with Bianca – you could have got to where you wanted to be and probably not done the things you think yes. irritated people, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Because and, and here's the thing. Bianca is 
on her way to being a mega star. And um, and, a, and a lot of people are really emotionally invested in her. Mm-hmm. And you just like, you can't do that to people in this day and age. Like, I mean, like you used to be able to do it. That's why I was saying the, the whole mentality. Right. But everyone knows what's going on. Like the 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 fan base is incredibly educated, okay. And 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 WWE likes I've I've heard them compare themselves to like Marvel, sure. And 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 I get it, right? But you will never see Mar- Marvel like when it comes to fan service. Dude, they're amazing. It, you know, mm-hmm. this ain't this ain't it. Like you can't do like you can't shit on your fan on on a, a huge portion of your fan base like that mm-hmm. yeah you just can't yeah and it, it was just and and and, I, and i'm a huge becky lynch fan really big i was so happy when like all like everything you know when, when she got the bloody nose she cut the promo like anyways mm-hmm. like all that shit and i'm still i'm still a big fan this did her no favors yeah none none well, well. And it was just unbelievable but but bianca is a she's a thoroughbred like i mean it there's just no way like there's, it's just, it's totally unbelievable. Like that she would get beat that quick in any, by anybody in that fucking roster. Yeah. Except maybe, I don't know. Uh, um, Charlotte. Naya or something. Naya. No. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Um, even Charlotte. Well, the, the thing that there's the reports out there right now is that Becky's going to come back and this is going to be a heel run for her, which really surprised me to hear that. It feels like a weird time to be running Becky as a heel. I don't know how you feel about that, especially after the way she was booked at SummerSlam. I just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. I guess we'll see what they do with what they got to work with now. But it was just a, it was, and I hate to say, cause you know, Nick, I'm a, I'm a WWE person, right? Like I'm on a con, I I, I, legends deal with them still. Like I, I, the last thing I want to do is come on here and say anything negative. Right. I'm well aware. You know? Right. Yeah. Of course you are. Like, I, I mean, know. Yes, I know. it's been an issue at times, right? But like, it's just I can't, yeah. I I can't with this, man. Well, well, let's uh, let's wrap here on what I thought was maybe a a big the biggest highlight for WWE of the weekend. I mean, they definitely drew the most eyeballs for this, and that's when Roman Reigns beat John Cena cleanly after a really good main event match, and then Brock Lesnar comes out, confronts Roman. Roman doesn't give anybody the the uh, altercation. He leaves like a coward. Uh, the end of SummerSlam. I thought was really, I mean, if you're trying to get people to stick around, I thought it was pretty well executed. It was great. Okay. But I gotta, I gotta take exception with the coward part because he left discretion is the better part of Ballard, Nick. That's okay. not cowardice. Okay. Sorry. I meant to say cowering away. Maybe even that okay. cowardly. I don't know. I mean, he definitely just put in 20 minutes in the ring with John Cena and you hey, know, man, and John Cena, like, Hey, look, John's been out a while too, man. You know, he came back, he fucking, he had a, he, he brought it. Yeah, dude. Right? He's yeah. a team. You know, like there are things said about him, and I'm not going to argue any of it. But like, also, you can't argue. Like, man, he's been a real team player a, a, several times in, in my mem in my memory. Like this, and just and when it comes to shit like that, you know, I mean, you know, he don't need to be getting thrown around like that. But he did it anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was nice to see Brock. Brock. Came back, he felt fresh. He looked fresh. Uh, I thought he looked great. Like he might have been a cut or whatever, but he looked great. 
Mm-hmm. You look pretty fresh. Like I said, I don't know how many times I can say fresh in one fucking thing, but but yeah. So um, yeah. And also, just want to congratulate Damian Priest. He's killing oh, it, man. That was maybe my sleeper favorite match of the show. Just him and Sheamus, like and he's over, man. And the people love him. And he's great on the mic. Like his boy, he got a great voice, a great look, and you know, um, yeah. <laughs> Happy for him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Good job for me. Like. No. Good job. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I'm just. A, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a supporter of his. Okay, got it. This episode of Pro Wrestling for Life is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, Nick? Yeah, I, uh, I, I have commitment. I, uh, I make commitments, too many commitments. I, uh-huh. I, I'm not a bad, I'm bad at saying no. I, I say yes to everybody <laughs> and everything, and that, that drives up my anxiety and depression sometimes. All right, then. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs. <laughs> And match you with your own licensed professional therapist, Nick. You know? And yes, you I can do start. Know. Hey, yeah. And you can also you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Yeah, it's not, not a, a crisis line. Mm-mm. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's not. It's it's not self-help. It's just professional counseling done securely online. And I am a user. Uh, there's a broad range of expertise available, uh, which may not be locally available in many areas. And I know that because I got paired with somebody, Linda, and she has therapy that I've never been able to do in person. That's much better for my brain, Sean. Right on. Hey, yeah. so you know this isn't in the, in in the read here, but like I imagine this would be great for people that like live in rural rural areas. That you know, you know what I mean, like out in the country on the sticks. Well, and just you know, if it's in rural areas, great. But really, right now with the Delta variant coming back, and we're all back oh, in our, yeah, yeah. we're all back at home, and we're all isolated again. So like. You know, it's very difficult to go out and even do anything in the same room as somebody. So if you are needing somebody to talk to, especially during this time, BetterHelp is a really great tool, Sean. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, man. And the service is available for clients worldwide. Mm-hmm. You can yep. log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, Nick. Yeah, for sure. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free to change counselors if you're needed. So if it doesn't work out with the therapist for some reason, you can just bounce over to another one, try them out. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So if you don't have insurance or whatever, uh, but you need help, they'll work with you to make sure you can get that treatment. Absolutely. Right on. Hey, so... uh... Uh, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today, Nick. And so visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Mm-hmm. Yep. You go to BetterHelp.com slash PW number 4L. That's BetterHelp.com slash PW 4L. Uh, join the over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Wow, a million people. That's impressive. Well, we're all, I mean, you know, it's a tough tough time, man. You know, I was just talking to my therapist yesterday and I was like Delta variant. I feel stress on top of everything else I have to do right now because of this. So, you know, talk about what you would talk about. It's an easy thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. In fact, so many people have been using better help that they're, oh shit. You already said that part. I did, but that's fine. You can still take a throw, Sean. (laughs) His special offer for, Pro Wrestling for Life listeners get 10% off 
your first month at BetterHelp.com. Promo code PW4L. Yes. Thank you, BetterHelp, for everything. Yeah, thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring Pro Wrestling for Life. This episode of Pro Wrestling for Life is sponsored by HelloFresh. Fall is busy, Nick, but HelloFresh recipes save time. You'd otherwise spend meal planning, shopping, and chopping so you can get back to what matters. Yeah, for sure, man. You're yeah. light. Right, yeah. exactly. And HelloFresh's family-friendly menu is a big win for back-to-school season with easy, delicious recipes for drama-free dinners. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Sean, I got sent my first uh, HelloFresh meal kit. Last night, I spent making uh, these pork and pepper enchiladas here, and uh, everything came in it. All of the meat was right at the bottom, the vegetables on top. I'm a little bit more of a foodie and a cook than Sean is. So, like, I really geek out on this stuff. I had to get right into it. Uh, it was nice. After uh, Liz, she took a nap after work yesterday, and I decided I'd jump into the kitchen and make this so she'd have dinner when she woke up from her nap. And I set the table. I woke her up. I brought her out. She says, oh, my God, Nick, this is beautiful. I've got to share a photo on, our, on my Twitter of how beautiful this meal came out. And she's eating it. She loved it. And about halfway through, I go, yeah, this HelloFresh thing is great. She thought that I, of my own volition, had gone out, bought all of these things, and made this dish. She had no idea this was a meal prep kit. And so, like, I think did that- you, Did you smarten her up? I did. Well, at midway through the meal, I let her know, right. no, HelloFresh, they set me up with the with the ingredients, and they gave me these really easy six-step, uh, you know, uh, uh, six steps on the back to, to make the meal. And it was a lot of fun. And honestly, of everything I've ever made food-wise in my life, this is like a top 10 dish. I have leftovers in my fridge because there was some, there was so much I was able to make with it. Yeah. I heated some up for lunch today. Dude, it was so good, Sean. I am eating beautiful on these pork and pepper enchiladas from HelloFresh right now. Nick is feasting on HelloFresh leftovers and they are delicious. Yes, they are very good. So if you go to HelloFresh.com slash pro P R O 14, use the promo code, Pro 14, P-R-O 14, uh, you're going to get up to 14 free meal kits, including free shipping. That is a huge, huge offer right there. So again, HelloFresh.com slash Pro 14, P-R-O 14. Use that code P-R-O 14. You get 14 free meals, including free shipping. Uh, and thank you all so much uh, for uh, listening. And thank you to HelloFresh for sponsoring us. Uh, America's number one meal kit thank you hello fresh this episode of pro wrestling for life is sponsored by roman look no one's perfect even the best baseball players strike out with bases loaded the best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line so if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes it's perfectly okay but if it's bothering you there are options go to roman.com slash xpoc now yeah, and with Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional is going to work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, it's going to ship to you free, free with two-day shipping. I have a feeling medication will be appropriate, Nick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash XPAC and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it.
Yeah, go to GetRoman.com slash XPOC now. Get your $15 off your first month. Look, I mean, there's a straightforward way to take care of ED. GetRoman.com slash XPOC. Get started now. Save $15 off your first month of treatment. Yeah. Thank you, Roman, for sponsoring Pro Wrestling for Life and helping me with my erectile dysfunction. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Joining us right now. He was there live in person. And CM Punk actually ran over and gave him a big-ass fucking hug. Frank the Clown joined us. We're going to talk about that whole thing. What's up, man? I'm doing well. Uh, how's everything with you guys? How about that introduction? <laughs> that was, I'll take it. I get I, Sometimes I get lackluster introductions, but anytime you can include big fucking hug in the introduction, yeah. I'm all game for it. Yeah. I'm just trying to spice things up. Like, I get in this fucking rut. Like, so, anyways. Okay, here I go. I Every fucking week I do the show, right? And we do the intros, yeah. and I say the same exact thing every fucking time. And, I, and it drives me crazy, you know? Now you got to mix it up with a hug. So, and I, yes. I think that's Anything to fucking switch things up a little bit. There yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, everyone was just dying to hear that. So Good. It's good audience. <laughs> this is good content. This is what they came for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Frank, man, um, I know this might sound like a retort. I don't know. It's how was it? Yeah. Um. You know, it's just your usual Friday night. That's all. Nothing special went on. No. Um. Yeah, it was great. You know, I'm I'm from Chicago, and and you know, there's a lot of history in wrestling here, as obviously you know, and yeah, um, especially with with punk specifically. And, you know, it, it's something where the, the the big moment in Chicago in the past was the Money in the Bank pay-per-view with him and Cena. That That's that moment that's kind of looked upon and, you know, really it lives up to this day in terms of crowd reaction and, and how special it was. But this was different in the sense it was like a seven and a half year buildup. Yeah. And it was still a surprise to some people. They Now, most everybody knew he was going to be there, but it was, his name was never actually uttered on television. So the casual fan might not actually know any better. Um, but in terms of the raw hometown emotion, I had never felt anything like it, even compared to that money in the bank. I was there for that one too. Um, it, it was just 15,000 and change people yeah, that yeah. were all in unison. So happy and so yeah. thrilled to be there. It's like you said, Frank, um, you know, the money in the bank thing was incredibly special. It was huge. I remember watching it. Yeah. Uh, I remember like going out of my way to see that actually. Right. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, absence make, makes the heart grow fonder right that old saying and like man they missed the fuck out of him around there huh i i missed i missed him yeah i mean it, it's just it he's our guy in the city yeah. it's always been that way he's a blue collar wrestler you know for the fans and and he's like he's our guy um a guy that wasn't supposed to probably make it to the, to yeah. the level that he did and kind of overcame all these obstacles so that that really resonates with a hard-working city like chicago so you know and, and it comes off because you could tell how how much it overwhelmed him and the crowd was overwhelmed you know and there's people crying i i'm not ashamed to say i was emotional um i didn't necessarily get shown on television like the one guy in the crowd who by the way is awesome because yeah man see, like fuck yeah. you if you're making fun of that guy yeah. go fuck yourself seriously for real yeah go to hell because what that's what wrestling's all about right is drawing emotion out of people one for better or for worse yeah. and for that 
moment for somebody to walk down a ramp, not say a word yet, and for a guy to be crying his eyes out, hysterically crying his eyes out. I mean, that's a very, very select group of individuals that are able to draw that out of someone. So here's my question. All right. Uh, Frank, did Punk get you those tickets where you would be right on the corner there? Did like <laughs> I'm not saying he told you he was going to debut, but he was like, hey, Fred, or were you like Punk? I, I don't know. Can you hook me up with some Rampage tickets? How did you wind up there? No, no. Um, I had had a little interactions with him before, like, in the weeks leading up to the show, but I knew nothing. Um, I was, I, if anything, I was led astray to thinking something else was going to happen. Um, but I was in the mindset of like, I'm not bothering this guy. He's getting bombarded left and right. Okay. I'm leaving it alone. So the tickets did not come from him. Um, I had attained the tickets by my own means, we'll say. And, All right. Uh, so really, it was one of those things where I was in the right place, right time, um, you know, right there being by the steps, you know. So he did not know ahead of time that I was going to be there. I didn't know he was going to embrace me. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen at all. So it all happened very quickly, but it was a special moment. Hey, wow. so why, why you, why is he like, for those that don't know why I give you a hug? Yeah. Um, you know, I have a good relationship with him dating back, honestly, over, over a decade now. Um, I mean, punk's my hero. I've been on well-documented. I've been on record saying that many, many times. Um, you know, he, he's been a big part of my life in terms of, of who I am and, and kind of as a person and lifestyle choices and et cetera, but he's always been my guy. And he's the one that's kind of kept me, you know, hooked on wrestling, uh, has inspired me kind of to get into business myself. And I, you know, I take after him in terms of how I deliver promos and how I talk and et cetera. Um, so, you know, we, we've developed a good relationship uh, beyond just kind of a fan and a performer. Um, that's kind of where it started. But I was going to so many WWE shows 10, 12 years ago that I was just always there. Like I was seeing him and other you know other talent more than i'll see in my own family at points so um so basically I, I was just around all the time and through that just developed a really strong relationship and um i like to think i'm not too much of a weirdo although i'm wearing a clown wig and a sparkly sequin jacket in my own home right now sure um but uh but yeah through that i think we just have a lot of common interests we share kind of a bond with each other so to be able to have that moment um i think it meant a lot it meant a lot to me i, I hope and think it meant a lot to him um, but it, it was super special. And again, it's, it's something that I didn't expect it. And it, and it totally, the whole night itself exceeded my expectations. I, mean, okay, you know, I remember, um, remember like seeing it, but I was like, yeah. eh, you didn't have the wig on. So I didn't really realize right. it was you. I yeah. know. And, and, you know, um, and then like, you just fucking mosh dove into like, just fucking stage dived <laughs> up into the crowd too. Right. Like, yeah. And the it, scrambling. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing. It's organic. It's real. Right. Like you watch and This is not a knock on WWE stuff, but like a lot of their entrances and stuff are very robotic. The same thing, the same cues Ooh. week in and week out. And it's like, I get it. That's the thing. It looks good mm -hmm. in video games. And, it, and, and it's just like repetition is the father of learning where they keep doing the same things. But that entrance with punk, it's real. Nobody's stage diving in WWE. It would be a huge deal if somebody actually went out and did that. They'd probably get in trouble. Um, so just to have, you could tell in his eyes how real it Half was. Half the fucking guys, they probably wouldn't even catch him. Right. <laughs> yeah. They would just all part like Moses. The sea would just spread. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Frank, that was a really big moment when you hugged Punk. But you had two big moments in one night because that happened. And then WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, Mick Foley took to Twitter and said uh, something along the lines of like uh, CM Punk just hugged uh, my future son-in-law on national television. And that's the nicest thing I've ever heard Mick say about you. He basically welcomed you into the Foley family because of that hug. 
what what was that like to have Mick tweet that out about you? So it's funny was I didn't even see the tweet until the next morning because my Twitter was kind of blowing up and sure. Noelle texted me and she's like, did you see my dad's tweet? And I said, no. And I went and looked at him like, oh, okay. And like, like you said, he, in, in he's, he hasn't been necessarily publicly complimentary of me too many times. You've done a lot of interviews with him where you've gotten more out of him recently. I have. Honestly, personally- yeah. It's a reflection of real life as well. I wouldn't say we had the best relationship early on, um, you know, and moving forward, it's been going on seven, eight years now. Um, we're, I, I feel like me and me and good old cactus are, are turning into besties. So, oh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, that was super cool. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's some sort of blessing, so to speak, but uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But it, but it was cool to see. It was definitely a blessing, man. It was definitely a blessing. If you haven't seen it, by the way, go find uh, Frank and Mick from uh, Warrior Wrestling, the uh, greatest beating of a boyfriend ever. Yeah, go and ahead. I'll, and I'll tell you this, too. That was only – there's one other time he's referred to me as a son-in-law, and it was actually that night at Warrior Wrestling. He had introduced me to – I don't even remember who it was, but he introduced me as a son-in-law, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. And that was about a year – and that was about two years ago now. So that night in itself might have been a night where things had taken another step in terms of uh, maybe winning over winning over the old man. Hey, man, are you straight edge? I am straight edge. I figured as much with the fucking wig like that and the whole clown thing. That's what fucking – that's the kind of shit straight edge people do uh, in lieu of getting fucked up on drugs. Right. I have my vices. Don't get me wrong. But uh, my vices tend to be uh, dressing up as uh, – a uh, a cartoon character, so to speak, and uh, you know, I, I like to dabble in uh, gambling the stock market. So uh, oh, okay. I have my vices. Yeah, I know for sure. But I mean, it makes sense as to why, like you know, Mick would be a little bit more open to maybe you being with his daughter than say you know somebody else in the fucking industry. And, and that's the thing too. Going back is like early on, it's like you know she rather like he'd rather her be with me. Rather than let's say uh, a Dolph Ziggler or something yeah. like that. No disrespect to Dolph Ziggler. No, but, but you know, I mean, you know, yeah. you, you get it. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, sure, yeah. He's not gonna be. He's not gonna be dropping anchor anytime soon. I got it. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Frank, you know, I think one of the things that have has really endeared you to Mick, at least in my time, because I've kind of been covering both of you guys for a couple of years, is your ability to actually uh, take pro wrestling seriously. Like you have made the transition to do a manager. You're working here in Chicago at freelance with uh, Zello with warrior wrestling, of course. And you take this really seriously. And I think Mick sees that as well. Yeah. Uh, talk to Sean here. And I guess the rest of the fans a little bit about like how you made the leap and like what it's like, what Frank, the clown, the the manager, the character, not the super fan is like. Yeah. So, I mean, I always had, you know, in the back of my mind, I, you know, I going back even like college days, you know, I was a theater major. I have a background and stuff like that. So I was always, a, I had the ability to talk. But I'm also 5'9 and 150 pounds. So I don't necessarily have the physical attributes to uh, hold up in a squared circle. And honestly, I never really wanted to be a wrestler. It wasn't like my dream or anything when I was a kid. But I always felt like I could contribute to the business in some sort of way. And Nick, as you know better than anybody, you know, I had weird internet heat and a stigma attached to me for a very, very long time. Oh, yeah. So I took it upon myself to, why don't I tap into this? Like, l- let's make something of this and try to turn it into something more. And I mean, Nick, you, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get a put over here. You basically gave me the opportunity my first time in the ring at freelance in 2016 and on the pre-show in something that you had conjured up. Um, you kind of gave me the idea and I, I tried to run with it. I thought it was a smash success. Mick, oh. Eric Bischoff, smash success. They all liked it. And that yeah. kind of was the jump start. but it still took me a couple of years for people to start booking me and taking me more seriously. I didn't win them over on night one. No, and hey, I So it. why do you think that is, man? 
you know, I had, you know, do you think it has anything to do with the whole clown? Because like, I'll be honest yeah. with you, like, like listening to you talk and, and, and everything, like where, like, where does the clown part fit in? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I started as just a straight up fan that was uh -huh. going to all these WWE shows everywhere. So I was like the mark of the mark, so to speak. And I, I'm not ashamed to say that. So I was dressing as this back yeah. in the day, basically to, you know, get noticed or be seen or just right. have a, a, a gimmick, so to speak. And I was going so often I had developed people knew me. I had developed, you know, a weird social media following, but with that territory comes people that don't like it. Cause wrestling fans, love to hate wrestling more than anything sometimes oh yeah so you know and then you know i developed a relationship with the foley's and this and that so there's people don't like that and uh people don't like being happy for others and it's just one of those things where i already had that that heat and the stigma built up and i like to think i'm a pretty good guy um but contrary to popular belief you know not everybody always agrees but it's most of the people who had never met me before so i figured hey yeah. let's tap into this Let's make this, let's take this in the ring. Let's see who wants to run with this promotions and and, and see what I can do with it. And you got to remember at the time too, because like the reason I put Frank out on the pre-show is I was just putting, I, I usually just throw it on the pre-shows and freelance wrestling fans are the most hardest of hardcore in Chicago. And Frank had just debuted on Holy Foley on the network. So he had like this thing to kind of brag about, right? So I was like, Frank, let's just see what happens. Just go out there and, like, Frank, you took it from there. Robert Ego Anthony got involved immediately, and you guys have stayed very good friends. Yeah. But, like, the, the immediate connection that I expected between you and the fans was there, right? Like, yeah. they wanted to hate you, and you didn't just take the heat. You kind of started to play with the fans and stuff. And, dude, I'm so proud of you, man, because I remember after that night, uh, I, I went to freelance, and I was like, you got to run with this immediately it was ego and, and ego ethan page they they yeah. put you in the main event that night and they yeah. were like well, they, we don't want to have anything to do with frank the clown we don't want to do it this was a terrible thing nick hausman you've done <laughs> introducing frank the clown to pro wrestling <laughs> and dude two years later you were like a top heel for them and i i, th I just thought it was really like a, a statement about who you are and like how seriously you really do take this man that you really you went through that that period yeah. I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because like the story is still going on and, and that was back in 2016. I did yeah. not get booked again for freelance till two years later. And right. that was after Rob had really pushed hard and Rob's very respected. Um, So they said, you know, and I'm friends with, you know, the guys and girls that, that were running freelance, but still you just don't give favors out to anybody. Um, And I was doing a couple shows here and there kind of to just get some footage and get some tape out there. But um, you know, and then come full circle last year, the first ever sellout at freelance at the Logan square auditorium, was the show called Send in the Clowns that had me and Rob and Kylie in the main event. So, you know, it's cool to see it a couple of years later develop into that. And um, again, if it not if it weren't for that night and that pre-show, um, who knows what would have happened. You're all welcome. Sean, you have a question or something, Sean? <laughs> hey, uh, so um, before we started, you, um, we were mentioning a little bit um, about something you got coming up with Nick Gage. <laughs> Yes, so uh, yesterday it was announced that next Friday at Freelance Wrestling, it's part of the Second City Summit, um, which is a collection of uh, GCW, uh -huh. Freelance, Black Label Pro, a bunch of indie shows going on during All Out Weekend. Um, on Friday nights, it will be myself and Robert Ego Anthony taking on Kylie Ray and Nick Gage in a tag team match. The tagline for the match is Murder, Death, Kylie, Murder, Death, Clown. Um, so I've only wrestled in, I believe, five matches at this point i'm a manager at heart um all of my matches have been tag team matches i've never been in a singles match i'm not trying to fool anyone into thinking i'm a wrestler um but i can go in there and, and do some stuff when called upon 
In this case, um, some might say I bit off a little bit more than I can chew, but I counter them with maybe Nick Gage and Kylie Ray bit off a little bit more. Than Dude, to be honest with you, I highly doubt it. <laughs> Just, I'm serious. Like, man, and I appreciate, like, like you're having the courage to do it, but it's fucking silly, dude. Like, you saw what happened to David Arquette. Yeah. Fuck that guy. And that guy trained his ass off to get to try and make that comeback. And, like, yeah. you know, and he, dude, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll dude, say I, this. I, like, I don't mean to do this to you live on air, but what the fuck are you thinking? So I'll say this I'm going to do what I can to avoid any sort of Nick Gage shenanigans. This is not going to be advertised and promoted as a, as a death match. It's, it's, it's as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Nick Gage. Well, you know, we'll have to we'll have to hone Nick Gage in. I will have, you know, we'll have security. We'll do whatever we can. But here's, I, I'm a little, I'm a little psychotic myself. Um, I oh. like, I don't know how psychotic I am. And honestly, the thing that to me that I've been thinking about a lot is the intensity once Nick Gage is in the ring. You can't prepare for that. I can sit here and train. I, I'm, I've been training a good amount, and I've been I've been doing what I can. But there's no training preparing for when that that psychopath steps into the ring and he's ready to throw down. Um, so I do have a I do have a muscle next to me. So maybe I just will never tag into the match. I don't know. That's okay. a that would be a smart call. I mean, I'll be honest. Like I, I, like I would I would buy a ticket just to see how this thing turns out. I mean, <laughs> but that's. That's the thing. People are intrigued. There, there's there's buzz to it now because people want to know what's gonna happen. People think they're gonna people think they know what's gonna happen, right? Like Nick Gage in the ring of Frank the Clown probably means bad news for Frank the Clown. And, and it just so might happen to go that way, but there is intrigue to it. And, and if I'm being honest, I have literally no idea what's gonna happen. Dude, you're gonna spill blood that night. I got face paint so blood, blood right, right in. Uh, well, <laughs> you know. Say I, I agree with Sean, right? I think this is a fool's errand that you're getting yourself into here. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out, right? Um, hey, dude, you just seem like a really fucking good dude, and I, I hate to see bad shit happen to good people. You know I what it is. That. You know what it is, Sean. He's married into the Foley family. And he wants to impress uh, father-in-law to be here. I don't Look know if he's me. thrilled about it. I mean, if I mean, I don't know if he's thrilled about it. Dude, I guarantee you he's not. Because yeah. you know, I'm. I just I know it, and I, I I just yeah. and I've seen the. Anyways, I don't want to get all up into that. Okay. I will be giving him a call Dude. this week for sure um, to get his thoughts, get his advice, see what he thinks. Uh, I actually want him to come out to the show. If he's available, I want him to actually be there. Uh, so see if we can make where's that happen. It, where's it at? It's in Chicago. Logan, I mean, Logan it's, uh, it's, in, it's, in, no, it's in Hoffman Estates. It's right by the Sears oh. Center uh, or the Now Arena, whatever it's called now. We're, we're all out and everything is yeah. oh got it got it got it. is this part of the chicago summit or whatever it's part of the gcw summit yeah yeah oh yeah. got it got it got it so okay, it's kicking it. off yeah where are they gonna um what is the how big is the venue it's i think an indoor soccer arena so oh, really it's, it's a couple thousand size, people huh yeah it's a decent sized venue so we'll we'll see how it all draws but it's it's um it's it's not your typical i guess like you know vfw bingo hall or so to speak or like a theater sure. it, it's definitely a bigger venue where there's a lot of room to maneuver around. There's a lot of room to put some fans in. Do you know who else is on the show? Um, I think Dan Housen's on the show. Uh, oh, I believe nice. Effie's on the show. Um, a lot of the local freelance academy kids are on it. It's getting kind of a big opportunity for themselves. So um, uh, I think Daniel Garcia's on it. Cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, I think Daniel Garcia's on it. So there, there's some 
Uh, so a lot of pieces of the puzzle fell into place at a good timing for freelance, as a lot of these guys and girls would get opportunities in AEW and everything. Dude, so. the fucking uh, Daniel Garcia is great with the uh, Everize guys. I love those Everize dudes. They're man. great. So the much fucking charisma. Dude, I, I was, I was in, um, you know, I was going down to uh, Performance Center on a monthly basis yeah. and working with all those guys, and all, dude, and I would go and do. The, to the live events that they would do, the the Florida show, they called yeah, the yeah. coconut, the coconut shows. Yeah. But uh, and and you know, like they they weren't really high on on those two guys around there because they weren't like the the in vogue style, like they weren't the technical guys. But dude, every fucking night they got as good or better reactions than almost everybody else on the show. It's undeniable. They're fucking great, man. Yeah. And not they're... everybody has to be the fucking five-star wizard on the fucking mat and do you know dude sometimes you just need some guys that are entertaining as fuck and that's them and yeah and the, and like there's something to be said too like not everybody has to be at the top of the card of main eventer there's a role exactly. for everybody and they fill a great role that every wrestling promotion in the world should have available and AEW capitalized on it um i know like you know noel's brother dewey he he writes for nxt he yeah. loved those guys he was trying to get them on tv all the time and you know, I think it was a battle a little bit, and they were actually starting to get some momentum. They were starting to get some momentum, and then they got released. So go yeah. figure. I was I was shocked too because the stuff with Hit Row Records they were doing there right at the end. I was like, oh right, yeah, these yeah. are some like top. It's like a top program for them to finally kind of show what they can do. Right. Um, so Frank, my last question here, and we have a we have a game we can play real quick. We're a little tight on time, but uh, Frank, obviously, Punk embraced you. You're taking off. You're doing these things. Uh, over under, we see you in like an AEW NXT. Does Frank the Clown? make the transition to like a national TV product. Yeah. I, you know, we'll see how things develop. Um, I'm feeling real good about it. I'm hoping, you know, I, I don't want to like put too much out there, but I'm uh, hoping by the end of the year, uh, something will manifest itself. So we'll, we'll see. There's been, there's been a couple talks back and forth. Um, but you know, the big thing is like, I want to make sure I'm ready. I want to make sure if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have told you I was ready and I probably wasn't ready. Um, I'm feeling <laughs> well, really, you know what? Hey man, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing to be like, because like, look, here's the thing, Frank. When they, when when you get the fucking call, you're ready, whether you're yeah. fucking ready or not. You take. Yeah. I mean, unless you're really like, like if you get the call, they obviously see something. Any, anyways, but sure. Yeah, dude. Um, I remember there's a Scott Hall story about like um, the first time Vince asked Scott to come. Scott was like, "Oh, I'm not ready." They didn't fucking call him again for years. Wow. You okay. know? Yeah. But, yeah. and then obviously like later on, you know, everything worked out great, but sure. he, uh, he learned a valuable lesson on that. But so, That's uh, dude, yeah, you're fucking ready. Get the fuck out of here. Wow. <laughs> you know, ready. the thing is, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that endorsement. Wow. The, the, the tough thing is there's not a, especially in WWE, there's not a huge demand for managers. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, it's kind of a lost arts. There's um, like so a million other places besides WWE. Very true. I'll, I'll, I'll be yeah. honest. I'll be honest, Frank, because like I managed, I, I've been, I don't know, Sean, like whenever we were on the NDC, like 12 years ago, like I stopped doing the managing thing because I, I knew that like, there was no opportunity for a lot of wrestlers. There was no opportunity for me at all. That's why I moved to the thing. Like to be able to help you get in and like watch you, man. I live vicariously through you now, Frank. Like <laughs> Thanks, your like, successes man. like make me feel good, and like I hope that for you, dude. Like I agree with Sean. I think you got all the pieces there right now, man. You know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, I'm not sure what it is. You could be more ready with, like, I mean, you yeah. get, you know, a good talker and everything, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there we go. Yeah, dude, you're there good. There we go. That's good to go. Okay, coming from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs>
Yeah, the fans love this. Mick Foley, CM Punk, Sean Waltman, all putting over Frank the Clown in a four-day period. I'm sure that's exactly <laughs> Keep it coming, baby. <laughs> this is what the IWC wants. All right, so real quick, I, I, I played this game with Effie and Sean before. It's called Suck It or Too Sweet. I'm going to give you something from the world of wrestling. You're going to tell me if it if it can suck it or if it's too sweet. Suck it being not so good. Too sweet if you think it is good, okay? Um, I mean, how is this like a fuck? Like, how do you? Like, well, I'm going to decide who wins. I'm going to oh, decide I decide. So you're the all-seen. Like, right. I'm okay. the judge here. I'm the judge here. I'm going to decide based off of what you guys say, whether or not you're right or you're wrong. If the thing itself can suck it or it's too sweet. The fix uh, might be in. We'll see. First of all, coming out of SummerSlam, uh, I'll go to you first, Frank. And Sean, or Sean then you can answer. Uh, Frank, uh, Brock Lesnar's ponytail mohawk. is. Uh, can it suck it or is it too sweet? I'll let you answer first. Too sweet. Too sweet. It. Sean? Yeah, too sweet. All right, yeah, definitely too sweet. That is a monster-looking haircut right there. Um, okay, what about uh, Karrion Cross's new gladiator gear? Uh, Frank, what do you think? Suck it. Suck it. Wow. Yeah, I, dude, and I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, man, I fucking, I root, I'm rooting for him and everything, yeah. but dude, that fucking thing can suck it. Okay, dude, well, it's it's. Like I, hate, I hate that for him. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like it's like they went back to 1996, like. And the, the same person that was coming up with that shit for fucking the Sultan and all that stuff. Dude. Executioner. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Okay. All right. Frank, back to you. Uh, Baron Corbin going broke. Suck it or too sweet? Oh, too sweet. It's incredible. The, 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 the videos they've been running with him in Vegas where he get he won $100, he won a couple hundred dollars, and then inevitably you know it's going to end in terrible luck for him, which it has. I saw one today. Incredible. Yeah. I I, I was I couldn't understand at first like because I I, had, I didn't you know the first time I saw him I'm like what's going on here, um, but I, it's too sweet man. Yeah. Yes, okay. yeah. yeah. The yeah. only thing if I have only one thing is those white shirts are too fucking clean. Mm. Yeah, got one stain be some only. Stains need on, more stains. Yeah. yeah, ketchup, mustard. We need Something, the whole everything. Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay, uh, back to you, Frank. Uh, wearing tons of baby oil uh, in the ring. Suck it. Suck it, Sean? Suck it. Oh, suck it. Yeah? Okay. Suck it. Because when you climb up to the top rope and you fucking slip off the first time, those guys can suck it with that fucking baby oil. <laughs> I used to be one, dude. I Because, like, when I was all skinny, like, weird, like everyone, you know, like, just trying to look as best you can. And just, I thought, like, okay, the more baby oil I put on, the more I look, you know, whatever. And, oh, my God. It's just brutal. Hey, and, and then and then there, there used to be this shit called hot stuff. It's still around. It got totally banned because like Road Dog had an allergic reaction to it. Oh yeah, and fucking so, Bull, British Bulldog, and and Owen, um, decided they were going to use it anyways. And and fucking dog, Road Dog got react like his like whole. He would swell up to where he could hardly breathe. Like, but it was that important for them to put their fucking hot stuff on. So Road Dog went and found their hot stuff and took a nice piss in it. That was good for TV, brother. Yeah, that's yeah. a true story. Okay, uh, all right. Last last thing here, a little bit more divisive topic. Uh, we'll wrap up on, on here. Uh, Frank, Alexa Bliss and Lily. Alexa Bliss and Lily, suck it or too sweet. Yeah, I know. You, you know, if you would have asked me a couple months ago, I would have gave you a too sweet, but it, it's 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 a suck it now. It's, it's, it's a suck it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I want to like it, but it's a suck it. It's didn't too crazy. The possessing stuff and all that, that's where I kind of drew the line. Yeah, dude, like, so uh, when it comes to Alexa Bliss, 
like too sweet all the way, but like 100%. this this thing right here, like suck it. Okay, I think that because Sean yeah, specific, Sean, has won, Sean has won the game because he really broke it down more. Also, better stories from Sean, I should yeah, say. I don't, I don't quite have the road dogs falling up stories to my under my belt. So. Dude, <laughs> it takes a while, man. You got to be around for a while to have really good stories. Yeah. Well, yeah. to have some, to have a bunch of them. Uh, you know, I mean. So on that, Sean, you have won this week's uh, suck it or uh, too sweet. Uh, very good comp- competition, guys. Thanks. Uh, Frank, uh, where can people go to find you, follow you, support you, all those wonderful things? I just had switched over a new Twitter handle as of yesterday. It's at FrankTheClown underscore, considering that the, the username without the underscore has not tweeted in 11 years. And I just cannot secure this account no matter what I do. Twitter just will not hand over this account, this inactive account. So at FrankTheClown underscore on Twitter and Instagram. I'm more of a Twitter guy. Um, and then, yeah, I got the freelance show coming up next Friday uh, here in Hoffman Estates. Um, the return of freelance wrestling at Logan Square is September 10th, the following Friday. Okay. Um, I will be a large part of that. And, uh, yeah, I got, a, I got a couple other cool things lined up over the fall here. So I, I think it might be the fall of Frank and not in a bad way. So hopefully the best. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> All right, Frank. Thanks, you, man. man. How is everything? It's going good. Uh, you know, with once COVID got, we got past the COVID thing and the restrictions and everything, um, it's kind of really picked back up again. And, you know, we, this summer we had a bunch of fairs and festivals, a bunch of bought shows that we did. Yeah. So the guys were working anywhere from three to five times a week when you count TV in there. Wow. You know, well, that's great. So, yeah. Getting yeah, a chance. So, to- hey, so Al, real quick. Yeah. Hey, can you, for those that don't know, like you bought uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling. And, yeah, I bought, uh, I bought how OVW. That, yeah, how did that come about? Well, I uh, um, I kind of moved back into Louisville. I always had a home here, and I just I moved back. And uh, I got to coming down and visiting around again with OVW, with hanging out. And I was talking to Danny, and Danny one day just kind of jokingly said, um, Hey, uh, you ever thought about buying a wrestling company? And uh, I was like, well, no, not really. And then you I met. Did you ask him if he wants to hold the note? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, of course, you know, Danny, he's too cheap. He ain't going to hold nothing. <laughs> he's got alligator arms when it comes to reaching right. in his pockets. Um, but uh, um, I met one of my business partners, uh, Chad Miller. He was the head of the Boxing Wrestling Commission at the time. And I went down, I, I totally went down to address the fact that there were no standards as far as uh, wrestling training was concerned. And I felt that there should be, you know, that they should set standards. Um, not, not just at shows, but actually the, at the, at the training level, at the actual training okay. level, because yeah, Sean, I think it, it's an insult that, you know, like my wife is a licensed masseuse. Okay. Not right. taking away from, you know, being a licensed masseuse. I'm not disparaging that or a beautician or a barber you know, or even a mortician, okay? But every one of these other licensed trades has to attend a state-accredited trade school, has to be taught by a state-accredited teacher, has to complete a certain number of hours of education, and then they have to have a certain number of hours of residency, of experience, before they can even get a license to perform the trade. And I just think it's ridiculous that in professional wrestling used to remember when you broke in like Malenko, like he took a risk on you because you now carried his name around. That's right. If 
if you were the shits, you know, then Malenko was yeah. the shits. And and that was why guys were so resistant to train guys. They they weren't willing to just take anybody in. And those days are gone. I can think of like one person off the top of my head that, that uh-huh. became a pretty well known uh star. Mainly he yeah. got became a star in, in WCW, but then came to anyways, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like he showed up for like three weeks at Malenko's school and then like tells everyone Malenko trained him and real great guy. Yeah. But, you know, and then, but then you go out and you watch him doing a shit on the mat and everything. And it's you like, tell. that's a Malenko student? What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And that used to carry a lot of weight, you know, and because guys would get blackballed from the business, they couldn't make a living if they didn't, if, if, if Malenko didn't teach you what you needed to be taught and you, you ruined business somewhere else and hurt him. And so that's gone now. And so I hate to reach out to a commission or anybody, but I went, I went to the the Maryland commission. I went to the commission in New York. I went to the commission out in Oklahoma, down in Louisiana. And I I personally went to the board of directors here at the, uh, in Kentucky, everybody turned me down. I mean, nobody had an interest, but that was how I met Chad, my, one of my business partners. And then one thing led to another and we ended up buying OVW from Danny Davis. Hey, hey, Al, like just on that part you're talking about, there not being any interest in that. Like the yeah. first time someone gets killed at somebody's half-assed training school, I bet you there'll become some interest. But there, there have been kids that have been killed. And there, there was a kid a couple years ago, that's why I went, was the, uh, the, the summer of that year that I went, there was a kid out in Oklahoma that had, had barely been trained or poorly trained, and he went on a show and, and Oklahoma's a commission state. Right. And, yeah, right there, some, and the, the, the person gave him a spine buster. He hit the back of his head. He had edema, brain swelling. Mm-hmm. He was in a coma for like four or five days and they pulled the plug on him. And I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, you know, my uh, a kid in, in Dayton, Ohio, several years ago, um, somebody in, in practice was trying to, to do that move that um, um, uh, up in WWE, uh, he was, uh, he had a mask at the time when in Ring of Honor, when he would do it, he'd go to, he'd brain bust the yeah, guy. Yeah. On the top I've taken that. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Once. Once. Oh my God. Well, so it, the scary. guy broke, broke his neck and killed the kid. Oh um, my the God. The kid died from it. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're, that's going to, you know, every time you go in the ring, there's a, a, a risk, you know, physically of you know that that yeah, you know you could you could suffer a life altering injury you could yeah. you know you could die i mean yeah that's i broke just, my neck twice in the ring. i have too I, I broke my neck twice too didn't even even know it until years later so you know you, you can't you know and if you don't have the proper basics and fundamentals and you don't understand what it is you're doing and how to move yourself and move another human being safely you know you, you the, the the risk goes up exponentially and and i just thought that it was you know, I just thought it was ridiculous that we don't have some kind of standards as far as professional wrestling is concerned. Interesting. So, I didn't think we we're going to be talking about like commissions and that, but um, you know, you know, there's been kind of a, you know, the, the long history of, of of the relationship between commissions and the promoters, right? I mean, yeah. You know, obviously yeah. the Vince, you know, stopped trying to get him, you know. And it, they, it worked more or less, right? Like, I mean, sure. so many places just quit, you know, regulating yep. wrestling. But, you um, down. And we lost yeah. the commission here for years. We didn't have a commission here. And then, you know, a guy, uh, you know, uh, a, a, promote, a wrestler that became a promoter started promoting, you know, those death matches and things like that. And 
fans bring the weapons, and, and that's what brought back the commission. And at one point in time, the Kentucky Boxing Wrestling Commission was probably one of the strictest ones in the country. You know, it was stiff because of the activities that this guy, you know, did and still continues to do, you know. Um, and listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not downing anybody or not criticizing or anything like that. I mean, wrestling is and will always be an art and, and it's subjective. Um, you know, it's no different than to a degree. It's the same as like producing a movie. Like there's horror films and some people like bloody gory horror films or suspenseful ones, but professional wrestling is not a movie. It's, you know, we're selling the audience and the audience is buying a ticket to believe that this is a professional combat competitive situation. No different than MMA, no different than boxing. It has a structure, it has rules that need to be abided by. And when you carry that beyond to where, you know, it's wholesale chaos and, and there's blood everywhere, um, it, it turns a general audience off to where, you know, that now affects not just the promoter that did its business, but it affects all of the other people that are trying to run as well. I got, so, I got to, I got to ask real quick then. Yeah. How do you, I mean, I feel like we're dancing around the topic here. How do you feel about the proliferation of death mat trusting at the moment? I mean, AEW just did a death match in, in the main event, you know, just a couple weeks ago here. Sure. And I personally, I just think in my opinion, it, 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 it appeals to a very small, very niche audience which is fine. <clears throat> but the problem is in wrestling, and I think Sean will attest to this, is that shit rolls uphill too here in this business. It doesn't just roll down. And and what you do doesn't just directly affect your business. It affects everyone else's around you. And in the general public, the general public, Mr. and Mrs. Walmart, which are the largest percentage of the population, because everybody goes to Walmart, mm-hmm. and that's who you want to market to, uh, to be quite honest, is that's where the money's at. I mean, that's why Steve Austin was, you know, he was phenomenal because, right. he, you know, that's why the, the Attitude Era had such a great boom because it reached such a huge general audience uh, on one of those occasions. It became part of pop culture. And, um, you know, for them, if it's not WWE, it's it doesn't matter if it's Ring of Honor, if it's AEW, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, put three letters together with a W. They, they associate professional wrestling with WWE because it's an iconic brand. It's like Harley Davidson is motorcycles. Band-Aid is adhesive strips. Um, you know, Q-tips are cotton swabs. You know, WWE is professional wrestling. And anything other than that is, you know, it's just something else. And then when you have a company that goes out there and does, you know, death matches, Let's be honest, it does not appeal to the general middle-aged, middle-class population that have kids that they're going to want to have their kids watch that. Just, it doesn't. And now, you know, here he comes along your company that's just three letters with a W, and they just associate and assume that, well, we don't know these guys, and hey, they we saw this last company, and it could be the same as that, so we're not going to go. So do you think it was a misstep then for AEW to present deathmatch wrestling the way it did? It seems like it, I mean, it sounds to me like you think that they may have tainted the waters for, for some others around them. By I don't think, I, you know, if they don't focus on it, if it was yeah. a, and if there was a reason, there was a why, there was something that, that created that circumstance that there was a stipulation that that match needed to occur, but to settle something between the two people, 
well, then that's their decision. You know what I mean? Sure. But if you're trying to, you know, but let's be honest, it's a very small niche audience that that that, that type of wrestling appeals to. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if that's if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But you know, you're now you're pigeonholing yourself into a, appealing to just those guys instead of appealing to the vast majority. I think like I think it was a, I think it was risky. I, I, I agree. I, I, I think it was risky. Uh, honestly, like I respect them for taking the risk, though. Al, um, I I don't think it's something that we're going to see very often, though. Yeah, I don't, think I, we're, I, I don't know. I, I I highly doubt we'll see it again. Yeah, I I think it, I respect them for taking the risk, and and I appreciate that. And I agree with you. I don't think that we're probably going to see it very often if ever again we might if the circumstance calls for it. i mean we've always in wrestling had blood and you know um you know moments you know matches that we've built to that had stipulations but deathmatch wrestling is is done specifically for uh, uh, those shock in all moments and and the problem is it's very nihilistic it's very much the snake eating its own tail because no matter what you do no matter how much you do it i had this conversation with sabu years ago I remember having, you know, literally this applies. I swear to God, had this conversation with him when he first broke the table in FMW. And I said, and, he, and we were working on some show and he broke the table again. And I said, why are you doing that every single night? And he said, well, people expect it. I go, the problem is you're going to, they're going to get tired of it at some point. And then you're going to have to do two tables. And then you're going to have to do a person on the table. Then you're going to have to do a person on two tables. Then you're going to have to set the table on fire. And guess what happened? Every one of those things happened. I mean, they they followed. They had to do that to keep up in the ante. And then, and then so, someone's going to rip you and put a table out there that won't break. Yeah, you won't right. fucking quit until it breaks. Until so it breaks. it's like, holy shit, what happens next? Right <laughs> now, with the, with the death matches, you've went from you know uh, barbed wire, baseball bats to now literally panes of glass. Guys are taking bumps and panes of glass in there. They're risking their lives that Nick Cage, God bless his heart. I mean, he almost died. You know, um, it, when do we when do we say, OK, that's enough? You know, because that, that's what it is. It's the, because the audience was shocked for six months ago by seeing the guys, you know, now they're taking these sticks and jabbing them in their heads. Yeah. Or, they, you know, before that, it was the staple gun to the head. Well, now it's these bamboo sticks in the forehead. Well, then where do you go from there? You know what I mean? I saw some guy had a, a piece of metal that was hammered in the top of his bald head and they had to pry it out. Um, it was like a cap that you put on the bottom of the chair. And he yeah, had to dig it out of the scalp. Where does it stop? And with the, the you know, with COVID and with with Pepsi and, and HIV, uh, you know, you're risking the audience too, you know? Yeah. Um, and the audience is not going. The, the majority of the audience are not going to pay to come see that, you know. Like that. I mean, I didn't know we were going to get off on the death. Yeah, I didn't either. I, didn't really like, I shouldn't be shocked, but um, you know, when I was a kid, right? Al, I grew up in Florida, championship yeah. wrestling in Florida, Dusty right. Road, Kevin Sullivan, all that shit, man. We had barbed wire, Texas death, coal miner glove, fucking hangman noose. I, yeah. I haven't even gotten started, but sure. like. So, but it was it was different, and and I even said this. I did some call. I did some play by play, color analysis on a, on a death match the other night, and yeah. I was like, "Look, man, this is fucking crazy." Cause like 
when I was a kid, like we had this kind of shit, but it was like at the end of the feud. Right. You know, that's, I grew up in the Sheik's territory, you know, and, and listen, it, it, the original Sheik came out and had a pencil and was kind of, you know, had, yeah. you know, jabbing guys every, almost every match and gigging them and getting them to bleed and get color and stuff. That was his whole deal. You know, so we had tons of death matches and, yeah. you know, strap matches and cage it's, matches with barbed wire at the top. It was like know. the FMW where they just start like, okay, that's, I love you, Terry Funk. Let's have a fucking death match. Yeah. And that's where it turned. Yeah. That's, that's where it popularized it. it. Yeah. yeah. It's really? It's, it was weird to, to, yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird thing to see. But yeah. like, I, I, honestly, dude, I'm used to it now. Um, yeah. Uh, but hey, Al. Yeah. You're, you brought like, you were just talking a second there about um, like the chic and all that, uh, but man, um, I'm thinking back like to um, the ICW stuff with Pop. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I used to work wait, for them. I know, man. That's what I'm getting at. That, that, that one tag match. It's you and who was it? You versus. Oh, it was me and who? Gibson against uh, yeah. Ronnie Garvin and like Jeff Sword, I think. Yeah. And it, hey, it, what what was that fucking spot with the uh the hunt with the the hip toe? There oh, was some I, I weird spot exactly. with who? So here's the deal, okay? I show up, you know, we show up early. Nobody's there, and Rip Rogers is there. Rip, that's the first time I met Rip. Right? Is he still with you at OBW? Uh, he's not in OBW anymore. No, he oh, left. He left. Okay. Uh, uh, um, but uh, I think it was just too much for him to drive from Indianapolis and back all the time, and. uh so um, show up and Rip's like, hey, man, how many matches you've had? And I think I've been working for like a year and a half or two years or something, you know, and I go, oh, you Alan know. Starna, right? uh, I was Al Snow still back then, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Shit. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I've been working like, you know, five, six nights a week, you know, so I'm at him up and I tell him, and he does start doing this math with a pencil on a paper. And he's like, how many of these been house show matches? Uh, how many were TV matches? How many were squash? And he starts, and by the time he's done, I've had like 12 matches or something. I, it was like, and he took the time, like he was working out an equation. He wasn't working out an equation. It didn't matter what he was going to do. So, you know, I don't know you, so you've had 12 matches. And he goes, and Randy comes up, Randy Savage, after he, they pulled him up off his floor at his house because he had passed out or something from the night before from partying and uh, showed up. And uh, he's all, you know, he's, he's the ideal guy. He's running the TV and he's, Telling everybody what to do, he comes over. He says, "Hey, we just want to see you sell, kid. We just want to see you sell." I go, "Hey, no problem, man. Whatever you need." So Hoot, Hoot shoots me in. He's with Ronnie Garvin. I'm with Jeff Sword. He shoots me in, and as he shoots me in, he falls down. So all I could think in my head is, "Hey, they only want to see me sell." So I just run past him, looking at him, and then run back the other way. And then he gets to his feet. The hip tosses me. It was horrible. <laughs> Wow. And then Randy great. goes, <laughs> Ronnie Garvin goes home early because the only way you could Iggy guys back then was a guy would come out with a towel around his neck oh. and you would see him and you'd go, oh, it's time to go home. That was how they did TV time. So, you know, the guy comes out and gives Ronnie the Iggy, but he came out too soon. So Ronnie picks me up in a pile driver. Well, he can't put me back down now. So uh -huh. he holds me, he holds me, he holds me for like <laughs> two minutes and then finally pile drives me and beats me. So... Wow, I love that shit, man. Oh, right. dude, hey, I like one of my like one of my babe. I did this get high watch wrestling show with with Ron Funches where we yeah. do like mystery science theater of yeah, of, yeah, of, of fucking botches. Like yeah. the whole first part of the thing 
was all I had to make a thing of all my botches because I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. Yes, and there's plenty of them. Oh, I have tons. Plenty. Have hey, tons. hey, Al, you know what, man? Not a lot of people have been around to say that they've seen Randy Savage run TV. How was that? And how was he at it? Hmm. Oh, he was impressive because he he was clearly the idea guy. He came in and it was his vision. It was his direction. And he was running from one guy to the next and he was addressing everything. And they were like, well, we need to do this. And he goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. Sit this guy down, bring this guy out, do this, do that. And then this guy, and we'll get a heat. It'll get the heat. And, you know, and that was, that was, you know, and it worked. I mean, it, it you know, they'd use it to, you know, generate heat so they could sell tickets at the event, yeah. you know, and sometimes it was simple stuff, you know, but still. Al, did you ever do any house shows for, for them? Uh-huh. Yeah, I did a couple. Yeah. And and how were they? Like, did they draw? Sometimes. It just depended on the area. And it depended on the time. You know how it was. Territories yeah. would go up and down, you know. And sometimes, uh, you know, i go in and in a house, you know, because they ran eastern Kentucky and east yeah. uh, northeastern Tennessee. And they, they came, came as far west as Lexington, you know, and uh, in Kentucky. Um, they didn't come over to Louisville. That was that was uh, Jarrett's territory. Right. So, um and they, they, you know, sometimes they did okay. Sometimes they didn't. I mean, they were hot. Sometimes they weren't. Yeah. Huh. It wasn't a big money territory, though. I'll tell you that. I mean, it was. Yeah, for sure, right? It was. It was even a step down from Memphis. You know what I mean? So, sure. Hey, but know. when I was man, the first time I saw it, I was fascinated. Mm-hmm. Fascinated by it because you know I grew up in Florida and like and then you know Pop Angelo he sold those tapes like uh, to. Um, like they were on a local public access channel or yeah. something down in Florida. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. that was just, man, I was starved for any kind of wrestling I could get. Yeah, I, I remember I being a fan of being the same way. I'd stay up in the middle of the night to watch the worst wrestling just because I could, could get, finally get to see it, yeah. you know, or get to see something different or get to see somebody I saw in the wrestling magazine uh, on the show, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I... I it was, and they weren't the only ones. I remember going up for George Cannon. I'd worked for George Cannon over across, you know, in uh, Ontario. Um, when Sheik went out of business, George tried to move into Cobo Hall and all that. I'd go do TV for George. And, you know, it was just as, it was just, it was wrestling. I mean, that, that was what was great what about What about it. that WWA? Did you ever do any of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I worked for Bruiser. And, and, uh, and then when Bruiser went under and Dr. Jerry Graham Jr. and, uh, uh, he and a guy that ran the Miller uh, beer company distributorship was kind of like the money guy. They took over WWA and they called it uh, Bruiser Bedlam. Bruiser and, Bedlam. Uh, I yeah. uh, Mickey Doyle and I were the WWA World Tag Team Champions. That's right, the Kangaroos. And then the Kangaroos, me and uh, Danny Cass with Al Costello. Yeah, that's right. I'm very proud wow. of that. I mean, because it's not like you know a lot of people can say they were a part of. A, you were a, a fucking a, legit kangaroo yeah part of a, a gimmick that's been around since part the, of the legacy. yeah yeah heffernan and uh, uh some uh, fan at a at a signing brought me al used to have and he showed me one he had a it was a, a pamphlet that if you folded it out became a wall poster yeah and it had photos demonstrating uh different hooks and switches and reversals and wrestling holds and then it gave you the the rules of wrestling, you know, tag team wrestling and sure. singles wrestling. It was awesome. And he gave me a, like a photoed copy of it. It was, it was really cool to get. Hey, uh, hey, real quick though. Um, 
just mm-hmm. just for some clarification for anyone that sure. hear us talking about who Gibson, this isn't Robert Gibson from no. Rock and Roll. This is the original, like who, who Gibson. Gibson. Yeah, yes. it's a different person. Who Gibson came out with a cowboy hat on and and uh, and and was a completely different guy than Robert Gibson, who uh, we called Hook. Yeah. So you know, I, I don't know why we ever. I, nobody ever told me why I call him Hook. I'm sure you know, like nobody told me why they call Ricky Punky either. You know, right. we just we just I kind of you kind of see how it would fit yeah. though, a little bit with, with with Ricky a little bit. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it just is weird. Like I I always called uh, Robert Hoop, but I never yep. called Ricky Punky for some reason. I just didn't feel like I knew him that way. Really, hey, I, Punky. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know him that way. <laughs> <laughs> I always used to call Robert once in a while. I call him Hoop once in a while, you know. But most of the time, I just call him Robert. Nick, you want in on this? Well, I mean, like, obviously, Al, you've been, like, a part of, like, so many cool things, and I kind of want to make this a little bit more about you and Sean here. So, like, when do sure. you and Sean Waltman first cross paths? Like, when when do you guys remember first kind of seeing each other? I think Sean and I, I don't think we really actually really met until WWF, I think. Yes. But we shared a common uh, person, and that was Phyllis Lee. Um, which, you know, we've talked about this before. I don't think Phyllis gets quite the credit uh, that the role that she played within the wrestling business. And MMA. And MMA, yeah. And in MMA, that she, the number of people that she facilitated and helped um, their careers and gave them starting points and gave them opportunities that they otherwise, you know, would never have gotten. She helped me. I know she helped Sean. Dan Severin would never have gotten in the UFC if it hadn't been, you know, he tried on his own a UFC too. And then Phyllis got on the phone and was able to get him in UFC four and started. Phyllis his had life. a way about her. She, she did. She had a way because look, the, she got the Malenko, she got Dean and I, Jody into Japan. That's just what I was going to say. She they couldn't get in and they were yeah. great. And yeah. somehow she got in with J, Lord James Blears and got them booked with all Japan. Yeah, yeah. She'd get on the phone and she wouldn't stop until she'd yeah. get get the person booked. She got she shelved taboo, you know. She facilitated a lot for Sabu too. Yeah, you know? so, we, didn't so actually... we had a lot of we had a lot of uh, common people that we knew, Nick. Okay, yeah. you know? and there was a, like a lot of like like you were in kind of with Car- Dennis Carluzzo. Carluzzo, yeah, yeah. It's just like yeah. I was. And, the wrestling you know, business, when you get to a certain point, is really pretty small. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it becomes really, really tiny. And. Hey. Hey, so Nick, real quick, we're talking about Phyllis Lee, and and I've mentioned this before on my old show, but I have to bring it up because Al Snow's head, his fucking styrofoam head with the wig, it, it's Phyllis. That's yeah. Phyllis. That's who that was, right? Am I there wrong? Was, uh, there, well, there was one time in uh, uh, the ECW, I did a thing where I was supposed to talk, and I kind of imitated Phyllis and used it like it was Phyllis's voice talking. <laughs> So, <laughs> did you, did you so like from now from then on? I always told everyone the head is Phyllis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so wait, what did you think of Sean when you finally got to to see and work with him, Al? What I thought you, I was always I was always a fan of Sean's, and I and I was excited to work with him. And I remember I made some comment. You know, I wasn't trying to be smart or anything. I just made some comment about like on the independence, like if the two of us got to wrestle, like that would be a big thing. 
and then the, the word went on the locker room that like I was oh, having Jesus. a season or something. You know oh, what I mean? Fuck out. Oh my god! So you had to. But I was about just that. excited. I was just excited to get to work with him, and I the, the, the opportunity to do it, and I, I was just trying to put him over. Do you know that? So that reminds me of this. I got to tell the story now. You'll appreciate this. Is yeah. I, I have my big fucking match where I beat Razor. Then six weeks until the rematch because I had to go to Japan. I come back, like finally have the match. It does a three-two rating, which was a yeah. hell of a fucking rating at the time. Back then, yeah, that was yeah. enormous. Yeah. yeah. So the next week, I'm in the fucking locker room. Uh, like a house show or whatever it was, and I'm like, "Hey, Scott, did you hear what we did? We did a three-two every motherfucking eyeball in that dressing room popped up yeah. <laughs> and i dude i was the i wasn't the one two three kid i was the three two kid for fucking yeah. i don't know six months yeah it was great <laughs> and i deserved it <laughs> yeah but that wasn't but that that that's a little bit different than your they just fucking with you to be well, yeah, it's it's a way it's the way the boys keep you from believing your own publicity yeah. and letting your head get big and then, you know, not doing business and not, you know, that's, that's all it is. It's, you know, all the, all the kind of intrinsic things about the etiquette in wrestling are really just, you know, cause you got to believe, you got to believe that the crazy thing about wrestling, it's such an oxymoronic fucking situation to be put in and that you first, you got to believe that you're a wrestler. Then you got to believe you're early going out there and to whip somebody's ass. When you go out there, it's your responsibility to make yourself a star. But at the same time, you got to be willing to do business with the other guy, and the other guy's got to be willing to do business with you and make you a star. If it's up for you to be the star that night, if not, you've got to be willing to do business for him. At the same time, that you're still trying to make yourself a star. And at the you same got time, to, you've got to try to hold on some semblance of a fucking humility and yeah. not take yourself too serious and think you're this big of a fucking deal. That's or, right. Like, all of those things all at once. Yep. Now do because, it because, <laughs> and then you. You know, you get guys that go to the to the gym and they're like deadlifting six or seven hundred pounds, and you're standing there like, "Hey, why are you lifting that much?" You know, I'm just going to get up for you for the slam. You're not even picking up two hundred and ten, so why are you picking up seven hundred? It don't make no sense. Or I'm a legitimate badass. Well, great, but you know that when we get in the ring, we ain't going to neither one going to do anything legitimate in the first place. So I'm going to work with you, and you're going to work with me to convince the audience that we are, and we're going to sell. So you don't need to be a legitimate badass. <laughs> But that's the wrestling business, and that's why we love it. It's because it's so weird and screwed up. Um, so I wanted to bring up uh, – so, Al, we did a, we talked for Wrestling Inc. a couple months ago, and there was a conversation that came up, and I just, I don't know if it had – Sean had any thoughts or whatever, but it, we were talking about Job Squad, right? You're obviously yeah. wearing your black and white Job Squad shirt. Sean's wearing his black and white DX and NWO shirts. Very appropriate. Yeah. I'm yeah. once again dressed like I'm going to a Jimmy Buffett concert. Uh, <laughs> but – Al, you talked about how, like, the kind of rebelliousness of the job squad uh, kind of helped to inform uh, what would become the attitude of DX. I don't know if you wanted to kind of refresh. Well, I can say I yeah. kind of, you know, the week before when there was a, an angle where we run out with Nick and then the following week, Nick was with DX. And I think that they thought it fit better with DX than it did with the job squad. And okay. it, it, it probably did. You know What, what was I mean? it when you won the title? Yeah, I think it was when we wow. ran out and we all celebrated. You know, it was me, Scorpio, Bob Holly, Meanie. We all celebrated with Mick, you know, and Mick had a job squad shirt on underneath right. the shirt and he took it off. And then the very next week, it was, they were, you know, Mick was with the X and we weren't in the picture. What were we and doing? Was, 
Like I, I, I remember him winning the title and us coming out and getting involved in that, lifting him up on. It was the uh, very next week that you guys got involved with yeah. with Nick, and then we were no longer in the picture. So I think somebody oh, was like, "Well, you know, they'll let that work better if it, you do it with these guys instead of us." Or like, yeah, hey, was, or like, "Hey, this is good. Let's take it off them and put it on these guys." <laughs> that happens, you know, because you know, certain, you know, because you know, they probably were thinking it, Nick would have given us the rub where. Instead, which they probably thought that DX needed to give Mick the rub at the time, more so than Mick. Yeah, we were giving each other that's, the rub, though. That's what fucking the creative didn't understand at the time. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we it fucking, it was just as good for us as it was for Mick. Oh, and it was good for everybody. Yeah. You know, and it, it worked for everybody. So, yeah. you know, we, and we went off and did other things, so it didn't matter. You know? Yeah. Okay. But that's I, what I meant was that. We started one, you know, the week before, literally the week before it was, we come running out as a group to celebrate with Mick when he won his world title. And then the next week, Mick was with DX. And I think they just felt that, it, you know, Mick probably could have used the rub more from DX than giving us the rub. And so you mentioned, you mentioned something like this and then wrestling media took it and fucking yeah, ran with it. That's why I wanted and to then, clarify it again. Make some clickbait on yeah. this. And then, and then, yeah, make it. Yeah, which I, I got to tell you, I'm, I feel flattered when people use me as clickbait because it's like, wow, I'm still over enough to where people give a shit about what I say. Uh, and I try to say something to annoy people to some degree on every broad, every podcast so that I can get interest and keep relevant. But I'm still waiting. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm I working just, on it. I guess I it's anything yet. I, yeah. just per- I just personally really enjoy that story because I remember that period so vividly and how yeah. much I loved Mick being a part of the job squad. Yeah. And didn't really remember exactly why it had happened, and now I know it's it's not your directly your fault, Sean. But it was it was you guys. No, it was all my fault. It was my was it? idea. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it would it would be the it would be creative that thought that you know it would work better the other way. So hey, it so, happens. Hey Al, yeah. I don't know if I've ever asked you this or or or, or heard or read you comment on this. How your feelings of Avatar? Avatar. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, if I knew then what I know now and were focused on then what I should have, what I know I should have focused on now, I could have worked that gimmick and made it a success. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I I realize, I I realize. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just, I realize that, you know, when I go, when I, you know, and I tell the guys here, when they go to the ring, they're 100% responsible. Uh, you know, it was it uh, was it a, a, a handicap when you come out at first? Yeah, but if I'd have done it right and you know worked it the right way, I could have made it work and could have made it more successful than I did. So okay, okay, Al, that's like a nice like way of trying to take some responsibility for it or whatever. But you were fucking shackled and handcuffed, bro. Well, I was hamstrung. Yeah. Out and yeah. not to mention, you know, I, I I come in and at that time, you remember back then. The rings were just, you know, were still the, the Saturday night main event rings that were like concrete. And the ropes were real rope that they didn't, nobody did anything off the ropes yep. back then. So, you know, I came from Smoky Mountain where quite literally I could stand on the ring apron and I could vault up, twist in the air, land on the top rope and moonsault into the ring. I'd go to just try to do a, I'd try to do a springboard on those ropes in WWF and the, it just, it was so treacherous I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, they were so loose. So I got up in the corner on that Davy match and I went to dive off on the guy and I had to jump back down because they were so loose. I was about to fall off. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, I always had to. I always had to cheat in towards the corner when I would do a springboard off of those fucking. Yeah, ropes. and even then the ropes were. I mean, yeah. they were they were still so loose you could barely use them. You know, yeah. I pulled. Remember when Mark Merrill came up? First day we were out in uh, California, and I told Merrill, I said, "Man, you know, if you want to do anything off the ropes, be careful because these ropes are really loose. They're not like they are in WCW, where they're cable. You know, these are real ropes, and they don't tighten them up." I'm a I'm a I'm a Southern wrestling ring fan. Cable ropes, eighteen foot. Like, yeah. Like the shorter ring keeps the action tighter. Keeps like, it that's faster. Just me. That's just yeah. Me. I agree. I agree. And then if you lower the ropes, it makes the guys look bigger too. You know. Yeah. And you know, in, in southern southern territories, there were some smaller guys even back then. You know, the height wise, I mean, they were still yeah. bigger, thicker guys, but they were. You know, Kevin Sullivan was never a a, a, a giant, but you know, with this. They'd lower the ropes just a little bit and made him look taller that way. Dude, but his fucking back and shoulders and them tree trunk legs. Oh, his legs. Jesus legs. Just incredible. Man, just incredible. I was so scared of him when I was a kid. I yeah. am not going to lie, Al. Like, he was I... legit the fucking devil when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he yes. was a legit badass, too, you know. All I the boys remember. back then were. You know? I remember my first live wrestling match. Somebody mm-hmm. reached over the guardrail and boom, like smacked him in the back, and he just went boom. I mean, yeah. it, it was it sounded like a watermelon exploded. Listen, I, I've been I was in the I was I was like 19, 18, 19 years old. I was in the business. I was in a locker room, and the original Sheik walked in the locker room, and I was like getting scared, you know, from being a kid because I was everybody was so. I mean, adults were scared of him. As a kid, I was terrified of him. And I just yeah. was scared to death of him when he walked in the room. And he was, you know, Sheik was not a big guy. The original Sheik, Ed Farhat, was not a huge guy. Right. But like when he was really him. young, he looked great and yeah. shape, but like he wasn't a huge man. You're right. Yeah. No. no. I, when the first time I met him was they were on their way back. I'd already met Sabu, but they were on their way back from the, from Japan. We were all on the same flight leaving Japan. He had just yeah. gotten out of that fucking Inferno match where he got oh, burned he got out. burned? Yeah, yeah and he almost he almost died from that. Yeah, too. man, that was so crazy. Yeah. Oh, and he was just, I mean, he, it was crazy that he was getting on the plane all burnt up like that. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, they wouldn't man. let you on the plane like that nowadays. No you know way. No Back way, then, man, shit, you, you get away with murder on the plane. That was then. one tough old dude, let me tell you. Yeah, Holy no shit. shit. Yeah, no kidding. But I still, I remember being, you know, in the locker room with him and being afraid of him and being afraid to approach him. You know, um, and he was he was not a big man, but it was just the way that they he carried himself. And, you know, they, they you know, people used to run from wrestlers. <laughs> hey, so since we're talking about that, yeah. unless, unless you unless you're, you got to go like um, mm. uh, my favorite, like one of my favorite wrestling documentaries is yeah. I like to hurt people. Yes. I remember that watching that. I remember watching it on VHS yeah. when it first came out years ago. You know, and it, it was the, it was the documentary of big time wrestling and the Sheik and, uh, you know, and then to grow up for me to grow up and then to actually get to work with a lot of those guys, you know, that, you know, uh, Bobo and like yeah. Bobo used to love me. He wanted to work with me all the time because I was loose. I wasn't tight with him and he, you know, I'd do whatever he asked. And it was it was awesome to get to work with a guy like that, you know. You know, he was a he was a huge, huge uh, star. He was the actual second huge star. Yeah, he was the second African American world heavyweight champion in the history of wrestling. 
Yeah, they didn't recognize it, right? Like a lot of people didn't recognize it, but he actually won the title. He won the WWA title out in California. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Yeah. And then before him was, uh, I don't think it wasn't Sailor Art. Sailor Art. I can't can't remember the guy. Um, Bearcat, right? Uh, it might have been. I I'd have to look it up. But there was one guy that was before him in the '60s that was. Was a world yeah, champion. but that I like to hurt people, man. Remember that guy? He was he had that stop the sheep campaign. And yes, yes, it was, it was yeah. so great, man. You just I I highly suggest people go out and try to find that. Try to find it. Yeah, it's got to be on the internet. It's got to be on YouTube. Dusty's in it. Um, you know, Andre. There's a cool, cool Andre segment in there. Like yeah. just all kinds of great shit. Detroit Cheeks territory was kind of the WWF of the day, and the in the the mo- and the deathmatch wrestling of the day at the same time. I mean, it was. It's you fascinating know. that, like, uh, like the 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 fucking, you know, the draw. The main draw of this promotion for years was the heel. Mm-hmm. Like, not yeah. a baby base. They didn't have like the baby. Like, they would bring in baby bases, right? Right. Yeah, it's so crazy. And some territories were like WWF's always been kind of a babyface driven territory. Um, you know, Memphis, it wouldn't, you know, it would run hot and cold, but it would switch back and forth between them. Babyface would have a run for a very long time as a champion, and they'd bring heel after heel to feed the babyface, or, you know, they'd switch it up. But Detroit was primarily, it was a heel driven territory. Like you could put a heel on top and then feed them babyfaces one after another. And, they yeah. just draw. I mean, business was so strong in Detroit. Bruiser ran opposition to Sheik one time. They both ran on the same night and sold out Cobo Hall and sold out the Olympia and turned people away from both plays. You know, wow. that's you know, in the I Olympia, how people see, like I wonder how people decided. Like, I mean, was it ter- was it tri- tribal back then? Like, did, were some people only fans of one and not the other? I think so. I yeah, yeah. I think even then they were still kind of loyal. You know what I mean? Kind of brand yeah. loyalty too. Hey, Al. Yeah. hey, man. When I was a kid, like you know, the NWA was like the champion was always a heel. Sure, Almost, yeah. always right. Like mm-hmm. I remember, like I was excited when a babyface won, but when the babyface came to town, it always sucked because, yeah. like, when Kerry Bond Eric won the title. Like it was supposed to be Flair coming through and having fucking title matches with you know all these top yeah. guys, Billy Jack, Dusty, different people, um, and it ended up being Carrie. So the world title match was Carrie versus Ron Bass. Like nothing against Ron, but no one yeah. wanted to see Ron win the title, and it was yeah. just it was so cool to see Carrie Monarch the, the champ, but it didn't work out well, no. you know, because the champions the champion's job in a match is to always make the challenger, even if you. If you're the babyface champion, your job is to send everybody out there believing that, oh, shit, that, that heel almost won the title if it hadn't yeah. been for the babyface having that heart to, to do it. And the problem with him being a babyface champion and being a traveling, not a company babyface champion, but a traveling babyface champion, so he's not going to stay there next week or next month, and you're not, you know, you don't get to support him. Exactly. Where a heel, you don't care. They come in, he elevates the, the, child, the local challenger by – he just missed it by this much, you know. The time ran out. He heel got himself disqualified, and the babyface has now got the rub and is up higher locally. For the heel now leaves yeah. the territory. It doesn't hurt him. He just leaves still with the title, you know. 
it's interesting to me because you, you said just a moment ago, and I know it's a different maybe time period than what you were talking about, but you said WWF is a uh, a baby face. Terrible. It has traditionally been, yes. Never. Well, it, it is interesting this past year, though. I mean, they've had heels on top. Roman Reigns over on SmackDown, Bobby Lashley over on Raw. They've been riding yeah. heel champions on both brands for about a year now. I didn't know if that was worth pointing out or not. And, and historically, the, the more, there's usually more money in the chase. There's yeah. usually more money in a baby face chasing a heel and, uh, champion and eventually triumphing and winning. And that's why a lot of times you don't see baby face champions retain it for very long sometimes afterwards and you they find another heel or they put that yeah, back and that, you heel. just gotta keep feeding them heels right yeah big monster heels just like they and you just Hogan build, back you, in the day. yeah you just build that want you build that yeah. need you know the, that desire to see that baby that heel champion finally somebody puts a stake in his heart and wins full on but you gotta you gotta know how to tease that heat and and not and not you, you know, go too far to where you get, um, you know, fuck you heat where it's, ah, oh, well, you're not going to give it to me anyways. I'm not going to bother following it anymore. Hey, man, you know who I used to, I used to like, and I heard, I heard various things about, and, and obviously Lou Fez, yeah. all time great, right? Just all time yeah. great, legit fucking wrestler. Sure, and, yeah. Just a and great, great businessman. And a great Good champion, right? Just yeah. carried the champ, like, carried himself like a true champion. True. In and out of the ring. And, uh, yeah. and, but my, my, my belief was that, like, as a baby face, pure champ, like wrestling champion, he would go in and kind of kill off the, the the guys, the top guys in each territory. But then when I go back and look, he did a great job as a subtle heel, putting all these fucking guys over. Out. Yeah, because he would turn, he'd give himself a reason, he'd give himself a why during the body of the match that he'd get frustrated or whatever, and he'd put the baby that local guy over. And, you know, where he had to either rough the guy up or he had to change a gear or he had to out and out cheat to fucking beat him. You know what I mean? He was smart. He was a good boy. He was, he was a hell of a worker. Really so, good, man. Yeah. I, I just recently had a whole new appreciation for him. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that's something that today we're, we're missing is, is we, the talent don't sell the who and they don't sell the why anymore. They're, they're focused on just selling the what, the moves that they do, yeah. you know, and, and they're incredible athletes. So they can't take anything away from them, but without the why, you know, you can't, you can't generate that, that heat. You can't, people have to understand why you did something in, a, in order to get mad. Even in real life, you don't get mad because of what somebody did. You get mad because of why they did it. You know, it's not the what they did. It's why they did it that pisses you off. And that's, we're missing that why in the context of, 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 of the match, you know, um, and the more we could get back with that. Why I think you'd see a turnaround with the general audience would come back even greater in greater numbers. Yeah, man. So, just my hey, opinion. Yeah. Hey, I want to, I want, I want to ask you about, uh, your roster and, and OVW before we go. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I want to know like, who are the guys we should be looking out for? Um, there's quite a few. There's several guys here that are not uh, trying to get and, you to leave anyone. Like not trying to, you yeah. I don't want anybody to go. Well, you didn't mention me, and, right. and could be just because I forgot. So, but there's got to be some real standouts. There's some have, standouts. Right? Yeah, there's yeah. definitely some standouts. Uh, kid that came here, uh, Omar Amir. Uh, he's our heavyweight champion right now, and you know he 
he really understands he's learning how to get himself over in the true term to truly get over not get over on the audience but get over meaning make the audience want to be him live vicariously through it because at the end of the day that's the most important business we can ever conduct because we don't get the baby face over no matter what we do we're not going to draw heat you know if we don't draw heat we're not going to sell tickets and he's he, he listens and he's coachable and he learns and he's He's developing an understanding of what it is that gets him over, why it gets him over, and then how to utilize it to get himself more over. Mm. He's doing a really good job. I mean, it really, truly is. Um, you know, Jesse Goddard, you know, um, he was with Impact, and, and he's been awesome because he's a vet and he's got experience, but he's also still directable and coachable and wants to learn. And But he comes in and he helps to direct and lead the younger guys. Um, I think he's, you know, a resource and a talent that, if somebody were smart, they'd pick him up and make use of him to some him, degree. Him, him and Robert Stone in NXT, I feel like you could reconnect those guys and be an easy. Absolutely, player. absolutely, you could. And the, the, and to their credit, you know, and, and and Sean, you'll understand what I'm saying. Those guys as a team, Robert Stone and you know uh, Robbie E and Jesse Gattis, when they were a team, they were that kind of a heel team that you could you could sit there and you could beat them like a rug, and then turn right around, they get their heat right back. You know what I mean? You send them out and beat them like a rug again, and, and they go right back out and they get their hit again. You know, didn't matter what you did to them or how much you did to them because they were those kind of heels that they knew how to get their heat every single time, and they stayed relevant. And you could draw money with them because they knew how to get that heat back all the time. And you're right. If you put them, you know, if a company were to put the two of them back together again, they could make great use of them. I mean, they really could. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, a, there's a, a girl. She's 18 years old. You know, she's rough around the edges, but man, she's she's got charisma and she's got a personality. Her name's Haley J. And, you know, um, she could be a star. I mean, she really could. Rough know? around the edges is just fine when they have all those ingredients. Yes. Yes. You can handle rough around the edges. You can handle it around the edges. I mean, and, and there's there's a couple, you know, there's several others. I, I just I forget, you know, I don't want to get going too far because then, you know, one, it'll seem like I'm stroking everybody off and, it, and, uh, and at the same time I'll forget somebody <laughs> and then they'll be like, uh, I heard uh, Sean Sean's Wolf uh, podcast and you didn't mention me. I mean, what the hell, man? Uh, Look, it's because I forgot. I just yeah. wasn't thinking, you know. Those were the first names that come to my head, so. Well, um, I'll, I'll be sure to put over Cal Hero, who I put over before. Oh, and Cal, Cal, listen, yeah. you know, he was, Cal's been raised in the business by guys like myself, Sean and Kevin Nash and yeah. Billy and you know, everybody, I mean, and and he he's another kid that he has his own natural ability. I, I'm not going to take anything away from Cal and the fact that he's willing to invest time, money, and effort in himself. That's a big thing. You know, I can't get these guys to understand that anything that a promoter does with you on any level, even on this level or WWE, it's an investment of time, money, and effort. But if they don't invest the time, money, and effort in themselves, you know, it, it's going to be a moot point. And the kid was willing to move from Wisconsin down here to Louisville to, you know, be a part of OVW to learn. And, and he does, and he's developing, I mean, he's developing, he'll be a, he'll be a star somewhere at some point for sure. Absolutely. Al, when you were, when you were young and just starting out, were you told like, Hey, you kind of got to leave home to, to branch out? Like, you know, people don't understand, like, and it's, it might not be as, big of a thing because like everything is seen by everyone now but it's still like to go out to leave home and go out and travel and and 
and take chances and, and get your yeah. name out there in different places, you know? Yeah. Like, it's so Indeed. important. It is. And, and for get you, out of your comfort as, zone. And for you to – you've got to perform in front of different audiences so that you can start to understand what works for you, why it works for you, how much you should do, how little you should do, how long you can take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the only way you ever learn those things – is if you just go out there in front of different audiences and not be afraid to make mistakes, take chances. Don't use that stupid seven-step formula that everybody teaches nowadays. That thing is so bullshit. It doesn't work. It never has worked. It was taught. It was it was done for two guys that were too green to work with each other, and it was a way to paint by numbers. Paint so by numbers. Expose, yeah. yeah, so you didn't expose yeah. the business. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now everybody has to do it exactly the way that's done, and it's like, I mean, no. shit like that should be a basic, like, like I mean, rudimentary, like, shit. Like, I mean, we like, like I'm fine for like, hey, like the basic outline, but like, man, like, yeah, I'm it's, with you on it's, that, man. It's my opinion, and I, I and here's my controversial, this will upset some people, is that the wrestlers, I, I honestly, it's my opinion, and and somebody can tell me I'm wrong, but I doubt it. I don't think they wrestle for the audience anymore. I think the wrestlers wrestle for each other. Different different people, different, different reasons, but I totally agree with you. Like, people put their matches together to fucking entertain themselves. Because they're, and the only reason they're, they're they because I watch them, they go and they speak to each other, then they leave and they mentally rehearse it. You can see them visualize it in their heads. And they go back and they, they talk again, then they rehearse again. Because they're so scared they're going to make a mistake. But the only people that would ever know they made a mistake in the building are the guys in the back. Nobody in that audience would ever possibly know that they made a mistake or screwed something up unless they clearly blatantly show them that, hey, we fucked up. You know what I mean? So you're obviously not wrestling for the audience. You're obviously wrestling for the audience backstage. And the crazy thing is nobody backstage is watching you. Because they're all you can't hear them cheering either. They're not the ones giving you the energy. Hey, let's face it, the boys are never gonna cheer for each other anyways. You know, (laughs) they're gonna compete with each other, you know, and and they're worried, they're calling their match because they're afraid you're gonna watch their match and they're gonna make a mistake you're gonna see. You know? And I wish they would stop and not worry about making mistakes. And I wish they would just understand that if as long as you don't expose what we're selling, if as long as you don't expose the finish. As long as you don't screw up the intent, there's no way you can make a mistake. There's no way. You can blow a spot. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. I spent yeah. nearly 14 years in the business, and not one person when I walked backstage ever asked me every night. Nobody ever asked me, hey, how good was your match? They they only asked me, what's the house? That was it. Yeah. And now today, I never hear any of the talent ask, what's the house? And all I ever ask it, all I ever hear them do is as soon as they come back through, they go, hey, did you see my match? You see my head? What'd you think of it? You, you, what about that spot I did? Did you like that? What'd you think? Like, I don't really have to see it. Like it's good to see him, but I can hear. You can I'm hear and you can feel. Tell me everything I need. I can be like I cannot be watching at all until you have yeah. a good match or a bad match. You you can feel it, not yeah. just hear it. You can feel it in the building. You know that it's all a feel thing. You know yeah. it, that's the other thing. They, they 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 work for noise. They don't work for the feel. You know. I, I personally think that they're taking something that should be done instinctually, that should be done by feel, and they're intellectualizing it, and they're trying to do it by a step one, step two, step three, step four. Hey, Al, so, this made me this, this little thing made me think of something, man. 
like sure. I was I was I was explaining to somebody I'm not going to get into who or whatever but I was explaining yeah. to somebody the other night at a show the difference between types of reactions and because like it is great to go out there and get that reaction from the from a hot move from a sure. fresh crowd right but like you can tell the difference oh it was jungle boy I was talking to and wow. you can tell the difference between a pop for a move and a pop because they're feeling it from viscerally from their gut because they have emotional equity invested in you and they Correct. give a fuck. And the reason why is because different pop, sound. Because pop is not pop. It's short for pop their nut. That was the original phrase. Pop their nut. Get them to have an orgasm. Get them to emotionally come. And that's why it's different. To your point, it is different because it's coming from from underneath and it's and it, they truly do. They yeah. explode. They pop. It's coming from, it's coming yeah. from here, man. Deep inside. Yeah. Where a pop, where they go, oh, they, did you hear them pop on that move? No, they didn't. They made noise on the move, but they didn't yeah. pop on it, it. Like the sound, they pop, and then the sound is gone. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like a, not... When it's coming from here, the fucking, it carries like a note, like somebody's playing yeah. a guitar. Like, it's, you know, it, you know? it's just, wrestling's just like fucking. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. Because that, the only place you pop is on the finish. And the only place an audience pops is on the finish. They pop on your entrance, turn around and go back in because all they want to do is eat a sandwich and go to sleep. I think I said it. I think I said it on a seminar you did 15 years ago where you gave the exact same advice, by the way, for what it's worth. Nobody listens. They think I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. I, John I remembered. I remembered. I remembered. It, 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 it's it's, it's like, fucking, and I'm the king of the four minute match. <laughs> <laughs> I'm made by the hour, kid. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Al, you, you you went Broadway with us here today. I want to thank you on behalf of both of us so much for the time. Oh, no. uh, we thank will you, definitely guys. we will definitely have you back. I feel like uh, we've only scratched the surface. I could tell that the string in Sean's back got pulled because I could tell he wants to keep going here today. Oh, you uh, know, man, it's just, you see, you know, when I see people I haven't seen for a while, you know, known for fucking decades. I know. You know it's nice to catch up, man. It feels it good. It makes me feel and, good. I feel way better now than I did when I started this. Good. Man, I got I to gotta tell you, and I'll tell you, Sean, and I tell everyone, I love you because you, you, know, well. you guys. Well, I was around you guys more than I was around my family, exactly. you know, back yeah. in the day. And every time I see anybody nowadays, I make sure I tell them I love them. Dude, it's and even the Al, even the people like I didn't get along with people that. Oh hated yeah. Me, I yeah. fucking love it. I love to see him, man. And oh yeah, absolutely. Even if they still don't like me, I'm like, look, okay, maybe you had a point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's great I, to I, see you. And it's great to I see you alive. We're, yeah. we're all part of the same family. Once you're one of the boys, the real boys, you know what I mean, too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. You could be wrestling and not be one of the boys. You know, you're one of the boys. Once you get there, it's it's no matter how dysfunctional it is, we're still all family. I mean, we it's really like being are. into Freemasons. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two interviews in a row, by the way, where he's alluded to the Freemason. So yeah, we just we haven't we haven't really done very well at taking over the world as they have. Nope. So. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, Al, Al, where can people go to find you, follow you, support you, support OVW, everything you're doing right now? Uh, well, you can follow me at the Real Al Snow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter because um, there have been some fakes, and if somebody fakes me, listen, I'm just going to send you a message and say, raise the bar. I mean, come on. I mean. You're gonna be a celebrity, be Brad Pitt or you know somebody like that, or Don Johnson. Don't be me. What the fuck. Um, and uh, uh, ovwrestling.com and or aswa.live. 
the Alston Wrestling Academy, which is part of OVW. We are the only uh, wrestling training school that is the only one in the world that is accredited by the State Office of Proprietary Education as an actual trade school. And we're working on getting our federal uh, accreditation as well. So that means, you know, just like a, a Beautician's Academy or a, a barber shop, barber academy or a mortician school or, or masseuse, you will, you can attend and you will, you can use um, student loans and student financing eventually, not right now, but eventually. And we teach more skills than just in the ring. We teach operation of cameras, production, editing, you know, directing, live event management, et cetera. So that, because it's not a matter of when, it's a matter of, or if, it's a matter of when these, somebody's career is going to come to an end in the ring and they need to have other skills that they could still be able to go on and, you know, be able to make a living. So, and uh, I got a comic book that's coming out. Uh, um, it's a Broken Icon Comics. And um, um, and also you can catch OVW TV on Fight TV live from 7 to 9 o'clock on Thursday nights, Eastern Standard Time. We're also national on a bunch of different networks across the United States. We're getting into about 150 million homes. We're on Sky Sports in UK, and we're on Sports International in Europe. And we reach about 700 million homes across the world. And uh, um, we're also on YouTube. So, um, ovwrestling.com. Hey, hey yes. man, my last thing I want to tell you is thank you for sticking around and giving back. You know what I mean? Because a lot of us, man, we've we've come, we've gotten what we could out of the business, and then just, you know, for different reasons, like some of us have been got fucked up and couldn't help it. Some just said, fuck it. And I got mine, yeah. you know, and left. And, you know, some people stick around and try to make it better for the people that are coming after us. I, I just, I, oh, I, I, I thank everyone who's let me get away with doing this for a living for the last 39 years. So it's amazing, right? It's like, look, yeah. I'm making a living. Doing this. I, haven't had, I haven't had to grow up or have a real job for 39 fucking years. I can't complain. <laughs> I don't know, man. You run a business, Al. You're an adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I got all this gray hair now is because now I'm running a business. I've ripped myself. I'm running. A no, business. at least you're not fucking bald like me. <laughs> No, but I got a white stripe running down my hair, so I look like one of the gremlins back in that movie. All right, everyone. That's it for this week's episode of Pro Wrestling for Life. Uh, I want to thank Frank the Clown. Uh, I want to thank my friend Al Snow for taking an hour out of his time today. Well, it was, it was actually the other day. But anyways, so, but thank you. I appreciate it. Nick, anyone else? No, no, that was it. I want to thank everybody out there just for supporting us. Uh, we've we've really just seen a lot of new uh, listeners and, and viewers here the past couple of weeks. Uh, if you like the show, the best way you can support the show is head to iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're on. Leave a nice comment. Leave a nice review. Uh, if you take a screenshot, you tweet us at ProRest for Life, a screenshot of you and your review. We'll give you a follow. So uh, engage us. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, I read those. Like I go on, and I read those reviews, like on on the iTunes and all that. Like so, and I appreciate that. Like I read them, and I appreciate them. So thank you, everyone that takes the time out of your day to go do that. Yeah, and it and really I, helps us a lot. It really, really does. So I'm at Nick underscore Houseman. He's the real at the real X Pac on Twitter. If you're going to be in Albany, New York, I'll be at the International uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame induction ceremony this weekend. And uh, just stop by, say hi if you see me. That's it. So. Cool. End of show. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>